Hi, guys. We are here in Washington, D.C. at the Young America's Foundation Summer Conference. It's a fabulous conference. We are here all week. And I've snagged another interview with another fabulous speaker who is also a friend. It is the host of the Andrew Clavin Show, Drew Clavin. How you doing? Drew, good it's to see good. you. It's good to see you again. <laughs> again, we just had dinner last week. I know, in your natural habitat, or what is now your natural habitat. That is correct. That is correct. So you are one of the favorite speakers at this event. I hope so. Uh, yes, the students The students tell me these things okay. when I ask them directly and make yeah. them tell me. <laughs> um, but before we talk about any of that, I want to tell you that when I listen to other people's podcasts, I'm usually multitasking. I have it in my ear. I'm right. taking care of my daughter. I'm you know, doing whatever I do around the house. And if someone says something funny, I usually give it like an internal like, huh, of acknowledgement. Yeah. Like, great. I see what you did there. Your most recent podcast about Fauci actually not only caused me to laugh out loud, literally, not like the LOL in text. I sent it to like four people because that's how loud I laughed. It's <laughs> good to hear it. You know, it was, it's really funny. When I did that, it was making fun of the Chinese connection and saying, yes, there's a Chinese calling Fauci. I thought someone must have thought of this before. It's so obvious, but no one had. No. It reminded me of an old video I did called the one state solution about how the entire Middle East should become Israel. And I thought this is such an obvious <laughs> joke. Someone must have done it. And I went looking through everything. No, the great thing about being a conservative is we have no. <laughs> so so all, all of this stuff is just lying on the ground for me. to. Well, pretend. it was very well done. And I thought, you know, the only person that could have done that was you. So I thought it was really funny. So what's very interesting, actually, about talking to you about COVID and Fauci is back at the beginning of the pandemic, you and I were on very different pages yep. about yep. both the virus itself and the government response. That's true. You were one of the ones, actually, um, and kudos for this, that was willing to sit down and have the disagreement or have the discussion because, Always. Yeah. you know, you, because you are confident in your views <laughs> and appreciate debate. Yeah. Um, but you seem like you've changed your mind somewhat because yeah. you were much more, I don't want to say that you were fear, fearful because I don't know what you were feeling, but you were much more cautious about the virus itself than I was. And you were much more willing to give benefit of the doubt to the politicians that were imposing these things. Um, talk to me about your thought process and how that yeah. changed. Well, first of all, I was in exactly the area that was supposed to be the risk area. Yes. I was over a certain age, you know, and I have a bum lung, you know, yeah. I have a lung that's uh, half collapsed. And I thought like, I called my doctor who I love and I've seen him for like 25 years. And he said, you know, yeah, you're the guy, <laughs> you're the guy who's going to die. He said, except for the fact that you're not Sorry, fat. I'm not right? laughing at yeah, you. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> laughing is just the thought of my, uh, so yeah, I thought like, okay, well, here's comes this thing and New York was having this terrible, terrible time. I have a lot of people in New York uh, and they were telling me, you know, the coffins are lined up on the street. And so when they said 15 days to slow the spread, uh, I thought, well, okay, I get it. You know, at that point, uh, Jeremy Boring, the God King of the Daily Wire called me up and he said, no, they'll never open up again. And you have to understand, I come from an older America that worked. So I was like, you're being paranoid. You know? Yeah, that's what you told me. Yep. I think you said I was being hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and he was right. I told him, I, you know, I always admitted. I said he was right. Uh, I was wrong. You were right. I was wrong. The the problem was not what they were saying. It's who they are. Yes. I mean, it's not like, you know, you could say a, a, a decent uh, government committed to American freedom could say 15 days to slow the spread. That could have happened in the 1950s or 60s or 70s. And they would have opened up after 15 days. These guys never take any piece, every piece of power they take, they will not let it go. And that's that level of dysfunction is something new. It's kind of crept up on me. And now I see it. And now I understand that you can't give them anything. You can't let them say anything. They're, they're both incompetent and corrupt. Uh, and they are not committed to American freedoms, you know. And so 
even though that happened under Trump, what you remember Trump saying, we should reopen by Easter, and then getting so browbeat that he stood down. He didn't do it. And, and I don't blame him for that. He, I think he made a mistake, but I don't blame him for that because if you're, he's not a doctor. He doesn't know. He's trying to take the best uh, care of people he can. But it was just a big mistake. And Fauci, to me, is at the center of it. He's still yammering on like he and hasn't Burks. been. Like, yeah, and Burks has admitted that she basically lied to the public. She did uh, in her book. I mean, about 15 days to slow the spread. She actually said as soon as the 15 days started, I was, she said, I was trying to find data that would substantiate my argument that we should extend it. Wow. Meaning she had a preconceived wow. notion and was trying to cherry pick data to yeah. fit. To convince. And, and the worst thing about it to me was the people saying, like Andrew Cuomo, there's nothing worse than death. And when one guy went on, I can't remember who it was, unfortunately, but I think he went on Tucker's show and he said, no, there are plenty of things worse than death, like your children not going to school and like not being free and all these things are worse. And everybody said, oh, that's, you know, no, 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 there's nothing worse than death. What really bothers me about that is a lot of churches closed down. And you think like, wait, wait, your churches, you're supposed to understand that there's a lot of things that are worse than death and some of them last forever, you know? So like, so, so it was a real moment when the wages of materialism, the theory that is now the operating theory for modernity, the idea that we're just matter, when we die, we die, uh, just took their toll. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it coming right away, but I saw it when it came anyway. And the reason that I ask you about this is not to, not to put you on the spot. It's because you have incredible insight looking at the transitional phases of not just our country, actually, but of humanity globally, what happened between your example of, oh, if we had shut down for 15 days in the 1950s, they would have stopped after 15 days, we yeah. would have reopened. What happened between then and now at both at both ends of the spectrum, the politicians and the people right. who were conditioned to continue to accept this? I yeah. mean, there's still masks in the airport today. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. But, you know, and especially because, like I said, I'm the guy, you know, I'm now the the disease has changed, but I'm still, you know, a guy at risk. I don't pay any attention to it at all. If I go, I go. You know, I mean, I was willing to stay home for 15 days, but after a while, it got ridiculous. I, it's a big difference. I was just talking about this to the kids at, at YAF. Th this is a moment. You know, I, I quoted Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway said, a man goes bankrupt gradually and then suddenly. And our culture has collapsed gradually and then suddenly. So it was collapsing certainly from the late 1960s uh, all through the 70s and 80s. But because of Ronald Reagan, it kind of recongealed. And now it has really suffered a tremendous collapse. And what I mean by that is there is no parent class, there's no establishment saying, look, we may be a little fusty, we may be a little old-fashioned, but you call women ma'am, you call older men sir, you wear a tie when you go out and you act like a lady. Here's the, here is how you act like a lady. You say the Pledge of Allegiance, you say the Lord's Prayer. There's no one to do that because they're all so afraid of being called old or irrelevant or out of touch. They're all so afraid of not being hip that they have given away the most important thing they have, which is their jobs as elders in our community. And they're, they're utterly gone. You go to a college and they don't teach you the great books. You go to church and they shut down because there's a disease, which is what churches are there for. <laughs> they're there to open up, especially for Catholics. They deny people the body of Christ, you know, in a moment of, of crisis. Uh, and that is the wages of materialism. That is this idea that we are nothing but flesh and chemicals. And therefore, we have we can change our flesh and chemicals. I can change my flesh, my chemicals and become a girl if I want. Uh, you know, I can I can <laughs> take a pill and be happy. And then that's real happiness. Uh, all of all of our ideas that that are interestingly enough come from a science that's out of date. They come from they're extrapolated from the science of the 19th century. Uh, and people said, well, look, it looks like everything's going to turn out to be mechanical. 
But that's not what's happened at all. Science has turned out to be much more mysterious. And so I'm hoping this tide will recede. If it doesn't recede, our society can't continue to stand because our society and all societies ultimately are based on spiritual ideas. So the root of it is godlessness? It's godlessness, yeah. I mean, it's godlessness and taken to its extreme, which is not only is there no great spirit, but even we don't have spirits. We're just like machines uh, that turn on for a little while at random and then shut down at the end. And you know, you cannot have a society built on that. It will not work. It will be a society like the Matrix. It'll be a society of machines. Even the founders said that our country would not be suitable for a people that was that were not moral. Ver- suitable only for a moral people. John a moral, and, moral and religious people. Yes. What he said. And, and yes, and people sort of think that's because they translate that into modernity. What they mean by that is religion frightens people into doing right. But that's not true. Religion, true religion, gives you a true sense of what you are and who you are. You're a human being. You were made in the image of God. You're male or female as you were created. These are things that give you an entire way of looking at the world that's different. And even even if you don't have faith, you at least can have faith. You can move to faith because you have a self, and that self is connected to the great self, and so you can find that connection. If all you are is a machine, <laughs> there's nowhere to go. You might as well take a pill. You might as well uh, have sex with as many people as you can. You might as well have as much pleasure as you can, as, as, much, uh, as little guilt as you can. Uh, but that idea just will not stand. Believe me, believe me, the, the community that has some faith in something will take that community over and destroy it. Is what we're seeing happen in our country right now, this moral degradation, this godlessness, um, is this Herbert Marcuse's theory of coming after civil institutions like religion, like the family, like church, in order to get to governmental institutions? Is that what we're seeing? Yes, of course. I mean, it is on purpose, but it couldn't have happened without the cowardice and the ignorance of the people who ran those institutions in the first place. I saw the first wave of it when I was in college, which is back in the Jurassic period, but still, you know, it was after the 60s, so so some of the stuff had leaked out. When students would challenge, uh, I was an English major, I was learning literature, and when students would challenge a professor and say, how can we read this when it, you know, glorifies war, the teacher didn't have an answer. The professors had forgotten what they were doing. Uh, I wrote, read a book by an educator who said, you know, the great, they talked about the great conversation. This was what I, I was raised in. The great conversation is the conversation that's been going on since Greece and Jerusalem all through Western history. It's Aristotle talking to Aquinas. It's, it's Plato talking to Jesus. It's all of these people together, uh, this great conversation. And the educator said, well, for a great conversation has to be secular because we can't decide what the truth is. <laughs> I thought, no, the great conversation has to have an essential truth toward which you're moving. We understand that we're not going to reach that truth until the next stage of, of uh, existence, but we know we can get to it by half steps, a little bit at a time. That was what Jesus taught. That's what Socrates taught. They didn't come and say, this is the truth. Jesus told stories. Socrates asked questions, but he always knew that there was a truth to get to. And that's basically what we've lost. Because if you we're just meat and chemicals, there are no truths. There's no, no, there's there's no, no objective too. Well, no. that's what the Marxists are trying to tell us. That's right. How do you marry this? And I think that this is correct. I think that this is insightful. I think that this yeah. is right, objectively, if yeah. you will. How do you marry this with the modern rights march against institutions? And I, I, I think a proper march against institutions, which are corrupt, which are oh. trying to control us, which are abusing their power. How, 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 does, how does that work if you destroy an institution on which society relies on institutions no. if there's no alternative? Well, one of the, that's right. One of the things that the right did terribly, terribly wrong, and it came out of the Reagan era. The Reagan era works, Reagan's policies worked so well. It gave us 25 great years uh, of peace and prosperity. 
but they translated that, and Reagan didn't do this, but other people did it. They translated that into capitalism, pure capitalism. Capitalism is great. Anything capitalism does is good. Now, capitalism is a wonderful system, but capitalism uh, pitches our most basic instincts against one another in order to make us all rise. In order to do that, you have to have values that transcend the capitalist system. Selling fentanyl, being a prostitute, it's, that's capitalism. You have to start with what it is we're doing here so that people know that they, are that they are trying to do good as they make profit and as they better themselves. There's nothing wrong with making profit. There's nothing wrong with bettering yourself. But if you're doing it by cheating people, if you're doing it by selling people garbage, uh, then that's wrong. And so people like Ayn Rand, who sort of uh, glorified the skyline of New York is the greatest thing that had ever happened, but uh, we're very much in favor of abortion, uh, very much anti-God, and all of those ideas really gutted capitalism of the one thing it needs to stay afloat, which is values. And so the right has, has really been shy of, of selling values. And th those values always come down, uh, I feel when the right actually does talk about them, to condemnation. Uh, to saying, well, gay people are bad, or this is bad, or that is bad. Instead of doing that, I think what we should talking, talk about is what is a human being? What does it mean to be a human being with a heart and a mind and a soul? How do you react to that? And what I was just saying to the uh, kids at YAF was that that means something important. It means that Schopenhauer, who said sex is the lord of the world, was wrong. And the old hymn was right that says love is the lord of the world. If you are a human person, your primary instinct, your primary need and desire is love. Follow that and you will find incredible ramifications from that that of course are taught to us best through Christianity, but they all, they permeate, permeate all real good thinking. Uh, you know, and, and I think that this primacy of sexuality, which comes to us through Western culture, through Freud, the Marquis de Sade, Schopenhauer, that comes from thinkers like that, is set against this primacy of love, which comes to us by other great thinkers like Immanuel Kant and C.S. Lewis and Joseph Ratzinger. Uh, and these are, these are people who have spoken at this at depth. And what's happened is those people have been silenced and these other people have been lauded. When I was growing up, Sigmund Freud was the absolute oracle of truth. C.S. Lewis, I never heard of him. Mm. until I was in my 30s, you know? You just never heard of him. I grew up thinking, us, oh, Freud, this is it. Everything is, everything is an emanation of the sexual drive. And then you get C.S. Lewis, who had this wonderful line where he said, you know, the flesh is like a small piano trying to play a great symphony. You know, you keep running out of notes. So yeah, it feels like sex, but it's not, that's not what it is, you know? And, and I had never heard those thoughts before. Um, and a lot of kids, I feel, have never heard them. I was talking to the kids about the song Lap, which is, you know, everybody's heard it. I don't have to thank heavens, don't have to recite it. But that's, that's not just a song. It's not just a little obscene ditty. That's a, a vision of what it means to be a woman or actually to be a person. There are other visions, better visions, that will lead you different places. And that's where I think we are, we're at. I think we are so down the road, down the uh, rabbit hole of leftism. I can barely talk about God. I have to talk about truth and humanity so that we can get to God. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I think if you have an idea of yourself as just a machine, uh, there is no path to God. You have to start by saying, oh, you know what? I, it's actually love that I'm looking for. You know, can I just make one really funny point that just recently Yes, occurred? please. You, you know, they have this gay pride, what is it, like six months now, gay pride six months, and they have all these parades. And at a lot of these parades, there are guys dressed in leather uh, yeah, with a whip. Unfortunately, right. I've seen the photos. Right, right. So they, they're, what they're modeling is sadomasochism. 
Well, where does sadomasochism come from? Come from it comes from the fact that someone you needed love from as a kid hurt you. That's where it comes from, and your mind then conflates love and pain, and then when you become a sexual being, that becomes part of your sexual needs, right? If you think about that for a minute, the love comes first. The need for love comes first. It's not the sex. The sex comes afterwards. The sex is a way of expressing love, and what's happened to you is your way of expressing love has been ruined. It's been hurt and scarred. And so, what we have to remind people is Freud was just wrong. He, you know, he was kind of he was a genius, but he was a quack. I mean, he was only talking to about fifteen Victorian ladies, you know, crazy Victorian ladies. He really was making in, enormous uh, conclusions from nothing. But it's the love that comes first. And once you realize that, which is the great revelation of Jesus, is what Jesus you know, was telling everybody, you know, it's all love God, love your neighbor. Once you realize that, you have a path to a spectacular life, even in suffering and pain, because we're all going to go through suffering and pain. But even in that suffering and pain, you have a, suffering and pain, you have a path to a, a beautiful life of joy. And I think that that's what we should be selling. That's what the right should be selling. Not this religion or that religion, not capitalism, although capitalism is a great system. It should be this primacy of love and life uh, that leads to joy and leads to values and, and ultimately, I think, leads to God. A question that the students ask pretty frequently, which is even different than it was, you know, 15 years yeah. ago when I was a student, because, you know, the, the culture has shifted so much. They asked how to respond in love with humanity. Um, with humility and in truth to their peers who have adopted gender ideology, who who identify with different pronouns. And I, you probably get this question. I get this question very frequently. Do you use, in love and humanity, but also in truth, do you use quote unquote preferred pronouns when referring to someone of, um, say, do you use female pronouns to someone who is a biological male? You know, if I'm talking to someone and they ask me to refer to them in a certain way, uh, in, in the, in the, in, as a gesture of politeness, I might, but I think I would tell them first. I have told them first. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm going to do this to be polite to you, but I want you to know that I am not buying into this philosophy. And I say it in the nicest way possible. Listen, I've worked, I'm an artist. Everybody I know is crazy. You know, everybody I've worked with my whole life has been gay or crazy, so eccentric in some way. Um, so I'm used to that, and I love people where they are, and I accept people as they are. But what I will not have done to me is I will not be forced to say things and profess a vision that simply isn't true. Men don't become women. Women don't become men. Uh, you, you know, you, you can call it, you can have a name for what you feel, uh, but I think, you know, I think the name may be, you know, a little bit off, off, you know, but, but still, but still, I'm willing to be polite, but I'm not willing to be bullied by politeness into lying. Uh, and this is, you know, I wrote a piece about this a long time ago for City Journal uh, called The Great White Lie. And what they've done is they've taken over politeness and used it to say, you're being cruel if you tell the truth. Truth is better. But, but you know, it's like Paul Simon said, you want some tenderness with your honesty. I don't want to, I don't want to scream at people. I don't want to, you know, hurt them. Uh, I want to judge in every, in every system whether what I'm going to do in every relationship, whether what I'm going to do is move to the good or to the bad. Yeah. And, the, and the one thing that never moves to the good is lies. I'm just, I'm just completely against And I think against it, it makes those conversations for me easier when 
you've had the sort of existential thought process beforehand and yeah. it's not just the manifestation of this ideology that you're arguing that you can come you can you can come to that conversation and look at that person through love and as as a respected human made in the image of god yep. treat them with dignity when you have thought about the values that underpin what you're doing and you're not just having this this one-on-one right. -on -one twitter um battle which is makes everything that you talk about i mean this is this is what you do on your show this is one of the reasons that i really like what you say is because you you take these cultural issues and you unpack them at a much deeper level so thank you for that and oh, thank you thank for sitting you. down here with me today this, was, this was great, great this was always it. fun yeah. and if you want exclusive early access to interviews just like this you can join us on the liz wheeler show community on locals that is lizwheelershow.com slash locals very obvious very intuitive if you use my promo code access you can get your first month free on your annual subscription drew thanks for being here great to see you